Welcome to In the Seams, a podcast by Broken and Mended, with your host, David Heflin. All right, well, this is David Heflin. I want to welcome all of you guys back to In the Seams. I know it's been a while since I've been on here to share anything with you, but I'm excited uh, today because I got a a special treat where uh, I've got a couple of guys here. It might get a little confusing in the conversation as both of them are named Jeremy. Uh, if I need to differentiate, uh, we've got Jeremy Harrison and Jeremy Wright, so I'll probably just say Jeremy H or Jeremy W uh, as, as we go forward. Um, but uh, my connections with them are, are, are very different. Uh, I've known Jeremy Harrison for, for many, many years, a couple of decades, and we're very good friends and have known each other's stories, both with chronic illness and many other things for, for quite a while. And uh, Jeremy's wife, Holly, has been suffering with chronic illness, and we'll have him talk to us about that in a little bit. Uh, but ditto for Jeremy Wright, who also has a wife who's suffering with chronic illness. Uh, by the way, both Jeremy's are, are in ministry, and so they've had that, you know, kind of dealing with ministry along with dealing with a, a spouse with chronic illness. And and I haven't known Jeremy Wright for very long, known him maybe about a year. We were just talking about that a moment ago, uh, but have enjoyed getting acquainted. But I, I really wanted to have uh, both of you here today, and I appreciate you guys being here, um, because we really need to be able to, I think, bring attention to the fact that chronic illness is not something that impacts only the person who's actually suffering with the disease or the pain. It's something that impacts everyone in the family. And it does on many different levels. I mean, I think it does in terms of how it impacts the way that you're uh, living out your married life and living out your family life. Uh, but I think also you guys have probably experienced a burden uh, for the suffering of, of your wives, too, and have wanted to help them. And maybe at times have felt helpless. I, mean, I think that's something that chronic illness does to all of us. It kind of certainly doesn't leave any illusions of control. Uh, so let me, uh, what I'll do is I kind of go through these questions, guys, is I'll just uh, probably alternate which one if I ask you to, to speak first. I'll, I'll let Jeremy H. take the lead. This is, we'll start with this first question, but thank you both for, for being here. And uh, Jeremy, uh, just give us a little background, if you would, to begin with, uh, describe the nature of your wife's chronic condition and, and just, you know, maybe how long she's been living with it, how long you guys have been living with it. Yeah, thank you, David. Thank you for having us on. Thank you for this ministry that touches so many people. Um, it's blessed our lives. So I'm honored to be a part of this podcast today. Um, so Holly has had uh, chronic pain since I've known her, and we met when she was 18. And she's had that pain since she was really a child. Uh, she thinks back to even age 10 or so. She's had just some joint pain and muscle pain. Um, and we've seen Many doctors, many specialists spent much time, energy, and money trying to get answers and usually not getting anything definable. Um, and uh, not a lot of remedies have, have helped. Nothing I can do. Massaging doesn't help. And the things you try, and she's tried you know, gluten-free diets and other alternative ways to eat to try alleviate certain allergens and things like that. Um, and nothing has really helped. And so it's been a, a long journey for her. Um, she's kind of now at the point in her early 40s of almost resignation to dealing with pain the rest of her life. Uh, mm -hmm. Almost no hope anymore. We had hope earlier. Maybe we'll get an answer from somebody and um, just seems like that's not coming for us yet. So we're kind of at a point of just how we manage this for her and make her life comfortable and livable. Well, thank you for that, Jeremy. And I think even as long as I've known you, I didn't realize it went back that far. So that was uh, yeah, eye-opening for me as well. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Jeremy, uh, Debbie, how about how about you and and uh, your situation with your wife Alicia? Yeah, absolutely. We've we've been married uh, since 2007, and the first sign of of symptoms was um, Thanksgiving 2019. So yeah, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. We have um, kind of had to adjust and learn to live with disability that kind of popped up unexpectedly, right? And and um, so we're three years in. Thanksgiving this past year was was kind of a monumental anniversary, and with it falling around that time, you know, came with kind of the the heaviness of some of the same things you mentioned, Jeremy, just of the recognizing hopelessness in the sense of um, every ologist, neurologist, orthopedist, rheumatologist, right, gone through all the spectrum, um, and we're still undiagnosed. Uh, we're under the care now of a uh, specialist at Vanderbilt in rheumatology, so we're two visits in, and we're waiting on a third. Our last visit was 1st of December. Our next one is less than a month out now, February or March 6th, so we're just under a month from our next one. Um, but so far, we haven't been able to get any answers. It's just what it's not, right? It's not Lyme disease. It's not MS. It's not this particular thing. Um, so they're narrow narrowing us down to complex regional pain syndrome or a form of fibromyalgia. Um, but the, the big picture for us lately has been that same thing. Okay, let's adjust to this being what life looks like, you know, for the the rest of our days and so coming through that same thing of looking for you know a place of confident hope in the the right now while we aren't sure of what's going to be coming ahead sure i i uh, that's hard that's a hard place to be in with the, the uncertain diagnosis and and most people that have been through this especially some autoimmune disease issues and things like that have, have dealt with kind of a hard to pin down kind of diagnosis and but I feel for you in that and hope you guys get some answers. I know each of those appointments then become kind of precious and even sacred uh, moments where, you know, they're hard, but uh, man, you gotta, you wanna try to get some answers and I know how important those are and how each of those dates kind of loom on the calendar. And mm -hmm. uh, and that, uh, what's it called? You said a chronic uh, regional pain syndrome. Is that, uh, yeah, complex regional pain. A complex, yep. yeah, That that's a, that is an exceptionally painful uh, disease, and of course, fibromyalgia yeah. would be too. So either way, dealing with something very, you know, very difficult. And let me stay with you for just a minute, uh, sure, uh, Jeremy. And um, you know, since this is this is so new, and I'm I'm going to assume that suddenness of it has kind of blindsided you, uh, but as well as you know, just the frustration of kind of getting a diagnosis. But I, I wanted you to kind of, if you could, speak to maybe some of the initial changes that you face, some of the, some of those early frustrations uh, that this has brought to you and your marriage and your family. Uh, maybe another way of wording, wording it would be what impact chronic illness have on you and your, your marriage in the early days of the, the illness. And uh, even though you might consider yourself still early days, I mean, you're three years in, I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you, you've been dealing with it for a bit now. So uh, how's that impact you guys? Yeah. Ours, ours sat in, Progressively. Um, so initially it, it wasn't quite as intense as it has been in the last year and a half to two years. Um, so initially it, it, it almost kind of snuck up as this thing that 
changes your life, but you don't think it should, right? And so you think, mm. oh, this just, I'm dealing with this pain. Maybe this physical therapy will help. Maybe the chiropractor will help. Maybe, you know, this um, orthopedist can give me some relief. But there's there's not really a recognition of, of how much of a toll it takes. And so the initial inward struggle for us was just the, the reality of some of those things that we can't do that we, you know, desperately want to. Uh, so for mm. her, um, in hospitality, it's just her gift, her joy. Mm. And, you know, we would have people in our home every Sunday and multiple times through the week. And then you, you know, face a new reality that says, I, I so desperately want to do that. I just, I can't. Right. And so you budget all your spoons for a day. You're, you know, you spend all your, 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 your time in the morning being very careful all afternoon because you have a, something you want to go to at six o'clock and then four o'clock rolls around and you know, you just can't. And so for us early on, grappling with the reality of, of grieving, right, that kind of loss and realizing this is something that you know, has been taken away from me, something I, I used to have that I can no longer enjoy. And so to process that grief early on was really tough. And then um, just some of the uniqueness, we, we have been a part of this church family for um, 12 years now, and they've been amazing and super supportive and yet um you know this is a really unique walk right and especially early on and without a diagnosis you're not saying something someone can relate to you know you're not saying i have cancer i have ms i have a category that someone understands Mm -hmm. and then can kind of sympathize with so um, just the, the disappointment with with people and and as much as you know we've had a, a great support system early on some of those meaningful relationships in our lives were strained and severed on account mm. of our inability right and because it's something you don't really see it, it um, you know for, for most of the last little bit getting out on a Sunday morning when she's able is the only time she's out during the week and so Someone who just sees her on a Sunday goes, well, you know, I, I can tell she's in pain or this is the conversation. They don't really see all the work and the struggle and the things that go on behind that. Um, so for us to learn and for our, our anthropology, our theology of man to kind of catch up with reality and to realize people don't have a category for this. We can't expect them to understand some of these difficulties. And so I, I, we use the language um, now, having processed it, of baggage, right? As someone asks, hey, how are you doing? Um, you know, we think about it as, I'm going to unload some stuff on you. I'm going to hand you some really heavy things. How am I doing? Like, I couldn't get out of bed yesterday. Mm. Well, early on, we expected them to like, oh, please, let me carry that load for you. And it took a while for us to realize not everyone's capable of doing that. So dealing with and processing some of that disappointment and trying to grow in patience and understanding for people that, you know, didn't have a category for it. Sure. I, I appreciate you sharing that and pointing that out because that's not just something that the person that's literally going through the symptoms is ex- experiences, but, but both of you and, yeah. and having to uh, try to relate that to other people, what's going on and when do you relate something? When do you, you know, sometimes you just want to say, oh, I'm fine and go on like everybody yeah. else, you know, and so you're always kind of weighing that, I know. And, and uh, you mentioned the spoon theory. I uh, I think most of our listeners will be familiar with that. But uh, if you 
do not use Google Spoon Theory. And I, I forget the woman who came up with it. But it's the basic idea that uh, you've got so many spoons a day and you choose where you're going to spend them. And when those spoons are gone, they're gone. And so for uh, someone with chronic illness, they may only be starting with five spoons in a day, you know, whereas a person who's fully healthy might have 30, you know, so to speak. And then uh, so by the time you've gotten up and gotten ready, you just you spend a spoon. If you had to go to work, well, you may spend the rest of those spoons and come home and not be able to do anything else. And I think that is helpful language sometimes to be able to talk with other people. Of course, that's that's how that theory came about. I know the lady who came up with it was trying to explain her to her friend what was going on. And there was a bunch of spoons sitting on the table. And so she pulled them out, you know, she kind of coined that uh, that, that term. She uh, uh, kind of owns the rights to that term or something like that. But I can't. Anyway, but it's a it's a good uh, illustration or a good metaphor to think about these things. But yes, our relationships with other people, uh, you know, that and, and trying to um, explain and relate what is going to be helpful. But, you know, you can't ever get it all across. You know, it's it's always going to be a struggle to know how much to share. Uh, and what about you, Jeremy H? What's uh, and yours again, as I look at it, thinking about. Well, let me ask you this. As you think about what we've already been talking about, I want you to just kind of add to that. But I do want to ask you specifically something because you mentioned uh, your wife gets really goes back into her teenage years. Some of the, the struggles that she's had. Um, was there a kind of a defining period of time where you guys kind of knew that it was escalating or you knew you were going to have to do something to start addressing it with doctors? Or is that just really just happened gradually over overall over a long period of time? Yeah, it did seem to exacerbate after childbirth. Um, you know, for her, it was there in college and our early years of dating and early marriage, uh, manageable, not debilitating on the daily uh, life as far as that goes. But something, especially after our second child, we have three. Um, after our second child, it seemed like her body really went into a different gear with pain, joints, achiness, just really getting through each day a real battle. Um, you know, and, and with that comes the death of dreams, the death mm-hmm. of dreams of being an active mom with your kids, like getting down and playing or going to shoot basketball, or like doing things on the bike uh, that just that aren't possible. Or if she does that stuff, she pays doubly for it the next day um, and is really in a, in a bad place. Um, and the death of some of my dreams, too. I, I'm, I'm I run. I love to run. I had dreams always of running with my girlfriend, my wife, and that's just not possible, you know. Um, to share those active lives together. Um, I kind of sometimes have, I guess, the equivalent of survivor's guilt for someone who's healthy because I don't have pain. I'm older than Holly by a few years and I'm heavily active and grateful, but I feel guilty. Like, I would love to give some of that to her and take some of her pain onto myself mm-hmm. so we could share something together, but that's just not possible. So I feel a bit guilty that I'm able to be active and she's, you know, in bed and, and, and hurting. And um, another layer too, and this may, foreshadow a, a coming question. So forgive me if I'm getting ahead. Oh, that's but, okay. Um, I think, and Dave, you and I have talked about this before uh, with, with our conversations in the past. Um, the fact that the pain seems to have no purpose is so hard. If, if we knew this pain had a greater meaning and was doing something better in the kingdom and, and glorifying the Lord in some, some unique way, uh, we could probably endure it and find some deep motivation to kind of struggle through that. But it just seems so pointless. I'm like, why would you not take this away from this young woman? Why would you not give this young woman, you know, we've prayed for healing. We've anointed with oil. We've seen all the things, all the ologists that Jeremy W. mentioned. We've, we've done that. We've been around that track many times. 
And for Holly, just not seeing a purpose or a greater reason for that pain is mentally uh, just overwhelming. Uh, I think if we had a reason to endure the pain and saw some good from it, uh, it might be uh, more uh, more manageable, but it just doesn't seem to, to have that purpose. Sure. And that's, I think if anyone else tries to speak into that, that's kind of thin ice, you know what I mean? Just because that's something a person has to come into understanding in their own their own time and walk with God, uh, whether they can find purpose in it or not. Uh, so that is a really, that is a really issue. I think people are in different places about it. And uh, someone else may come to realization of some kind of purpose in it very early on in their journey. And, and others may never really feel that. And I think in either case, of course, we're all, and I should mention the audience, I've already mentioned, you know, to our audience, you guys are in ministry. And so I'm, I'm sure they understand you guys are faithful Christians. Um, holding on to to Christ is sometimes all that we can do in those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, finding purpose is kind of a different, not to say it's an unrelated activity, but it's a different kind of a, it's just something that's very personal. You know, it's some way to redeem the pain, some way yeah. to redeem the pain. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you opening mm-hmm. up about that. I really do. Um, let me talk about a little bit with our spouses in terms of, you know, differences in the way that we communicate, and the way that we process these things. And I, I, cause I don't know how this will be for you guys. Uh, I know my wife and I are very different about this. I'm a, I'm a very analytical person and I'm always thinking about things and outcomes and possibilities. And it's part of the way I process things. And I, uh, way back when, uh, I was having to go to the Mayo Clinic, I think in 2013. Um, and there were some potential serious, uh, maybe even life threatening, uh, you know, implications to what we were going there to find out uh, about myself. And I needed to kind of talk about that. Katie couldn't talk about this for her. It was like, well, we don't know that yet. Uh, And therefore, I really can't. I'm not I'm not going to go there because for her, that was just wasn't a very safe place. I guess, you know, it was scary to her. We've, I mean, we've talked about this and I've, I've had, we've never gone to couples counseling, but I've been to a counselor several times over the years and um, kind of talked about different ways in which we could meet each other's needs in that regard, because sometimes I do need to talk about it. I need, and I want to talk about it with her. It just makes sense. Um, she's not opposed to me talking about the in the moment stuff. So I'm not, I want to be clear about that. If, I, if I'm having a bad day and I need to talk, I mean, I'm just talking about those unknowns, you know? And so we have found that we have a kind of different, ways of dealing with it and different ways of communicating about it. We've kind of had to learn to work, you know, through some of that. Have you guys had to discover any of that yourselves? And again, I'll flip back to uh, actually Jeremy H. who continue uh, continue on that thought and then go to Jeremy right here. Yeah, you know, we're different people. Obviously, we have different ways of processing things and communicating. I'm more the emotive thinker and feeler, and I want to verbalize things and have that conversation. Um, Holly is a little more like you, David, and wants to kind of internalize, process on her own for a bit. Um, and and when we share, it's usually not, um, you know, in the same kind of kind of heart language, if you will. Um, and so, I often will make a bid or an attempt to to talk about it, or how you doing, babe? Like, how have you been this week? How's your pain? You know, and and some some days that's that's Oh, I'm just making it, you know, handling it, you know, and just kind of a short, curt. Um, that's the usual response, so nothing too too deep. 
But when she does open up and when it has kind of built up enough that the, the pressure is to the top, I mean, the emotions spill over for her and there are mm. tears and there are questions and there's, you know, emotions toward God that are all over the spectrum with, with anger and uh, wanting an explanation, this feeling of unfairness. Um, mm. Those have been very tender moments that I really treasure as her husband. Um, and, and I just wish again, there were some answers that were uh, able to offer in that situation. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, so I, I just take that into advisement for myself and, and don't prod to, uh, too much, you know, kind of let her know that I'm always open and available to talk about it, but kind of give her the chance to make the opening uh, remark and, and make sure she's ready to go there. Because um, it is, it's, it's, you know, even I, as her husband, can't fully understand what it's like to go through each day with, with just pain that you're just suffering through and trying to manage. Um, mm. You know, when, when your best days are, yeah, it didn't hurt too bad. I could get up and do a few things today. When that's as good as it gets, Day in day out with three kids and, and a wife, uh, with a, as a wife and a husband, you know, as a husband, it's just, it just it gets challenging. So I want, I want to give her the the first move in those situations. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and by the way, so I, I don't think I mentioned earlier that you had three kids. Uh, Jeremy W, you have kids. In yeah, the home. we've got four. We've got thirteen, ten, and then five, almost six year old twins. Okay, goodness. So. Yeah, your hands are full anyway. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if everyone was healthy and, and, and going along smoothly, it's a, it's a lot to, to process. And so would you add anything to what Jeremy H. said, uh, Jeremy W., about kind of communicating with the wife and how you had to learn to adjust and all that stuff? Yeah, no, I, I resonate a ton with that and, and, and sort of the same. I, from a different perspective, uh, I'm the, the, the one who feels less or emotes less or um, uh, would say, you know, not super in touch with emotional life in the past. And so as these feelings hit, really the hard part for me was understanding and processing and then living with my wife, you know, in an understanding way. And so I can remember initially as a, as a problem solver, as a fixer, I would say, okay, well, here's a, here's a need, here's a lack in our home. Oh, I'll fill the gap. Let's, um, let's hire a babysitter. Let's have someone help clean. Like let's fill these things because I thought, Oh, let me you know take this off of you. Mm. Not realizing, well, Hey, that's, that's something I want to do. And that's from her perspective. Like that's something it, it feels like I should be doing. And my penchant for fixing was, yeah, not the most helpful way to come into that mm. piece of communication. So it took me a while to learn, um, you know, hey, come at this from a more understanding perspective and, and think a couple of tracks deeper than just, you know, solving the problem. It's mm. good. It's a lot of wisdom. Uh, we kind of have to pick up the hard way, I know. And, <laughs> and you know, and uh, but that empathetic listening in is, is important. And I, and again, here I'm kind of relating back now to you guys as a person who's dealing with chronic, chronic illnesses. I think about my own relationship with my wife and and that's kind of maybe back kind of what I was getting at having to, you know, we had to learn kind of how I needed to communicate uh, with, with her and be heard. And at the same time, I had to also learn that what she needed in that too, because it was impacting her life as well. You know? yeah. But it impacts everything. I mean, uh, I don't even have in my kind of list of questions here, anything about the financial aspects and, you know, and just, mm -hmm. 
I mean, this is something that is a, it's a bulldozer to, uh, to your life. And, and like you said earlier, Jeremy H about the kind of the life you envisioned and dreamed of and, you know, the lost dreams that are there. I think both of you have touched on that. And, and, uh, yeah, this is not the, not the life I thought I'd be living either. You know, by the way, this isn't the ministry I thought I'd be doing, you know, and so, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hard one to accept or embrace. And, um, but uh, I appreciate you guys sharing a little bit. I, I want to stay on the marriage topic, particularly in your relationship with your wife. Um, I think we're back to Jeremy W. here for the first, to start the answer. Uh, about a significant challenge you face in your marriage. Um, you know, so I'm talking about just the directly relationship between uh, as husband and wife. And then, uh, but I want to know if there's something on the other side of that. Is there some way that you've learned to, to grow as a couple? Uh, because yeah by god's grace we've um we're just very similar and complementary people um complementary people um so we've we've just really had a happy happy marriage and and we've been talking just in recent weeks of man the the joy that's ours by god's kindness in the midst of this even while um you know so many unanswered questions and um, things I still don't understand and how to take good care of her well. Um, I'll mention one I was sharing with someone today. Um, you know, our, our girl's birthday, their sixth birthday is coming up at the end of this month, and um, I need to make the cupcakes for their birthday party because I don't want her to think through that and have to worry about that and do mm. that kind of thing. And so uh, we made some practice cupcakes last night, and um, there's a reality there in which she really wants to be doing that. And I want to take that off of her in a sense where she doesn't feel like she has to, that the family's cared for and loved. But it's really hard. The difficult thing is escaping that tension of her feeling the, the guilt you know, of not being able to do what she wants to do while her trusting me that I really do want to do this, right? I'm, I'm mm. joyfully here. Um, one of the things that, that I caught pretty early on in starting to listen to other folks who, who have been wrestling with this for longer, um, jumped in a uh, non-Christian Facebook support group and just saw the despair and difficulty in so many people who would say, I, I can't believe that people are still putting up with me. I'm so heavy on them. I'm such a burden. Uh, and it's heartbreaking. And I just, I thought, okay, I never want her to feel that. Let me do everything I can. Mm. But the complexities of... You know, it's it's inescapable, right? I, I do a lot um, to make up for the um, her her abilities, and so how we wrestle through that tension and how we live in that, and um, so as I, I saw that question, I, I just wrote significant challenge, like Monday, Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> right? There, right? Every every day is its own fresh set of um, you know of challenges and, and tensions, but um, just so today it's, to end with why, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, that's 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 heavy though. That that feeling that sometimes you feel when you're the other, the person suffering that you're burdening others. And you guys are you guys are good husbands to, to your wives going through this. I want to know that because I deal with a a lot of uh, a lot of people who have been even been abandoned by their spouse yeah. because of chronic illness. The one time when they needed their Spouse to stand by them. So they're the opposite of what you guys are doing, mm -hmm. trying to alleviate the burden and want them to know that you're not a burden. You know, mm -hmm. you're my wife. And 
uh, as a powerful testimony to the love of Christ. Jeremy H., you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I appreciate those thoughts too, Jeremy W. Um, you know, we made promises in our wedding ceremony, right? In sickness and in health. And we don't get to choose what's coming in the future. Um, I made those promises to my wife 20 years ago. And she didn't choose this pain. Um, but I still choose her. And I choose her today. I'll choose her tomorrow and every tomorrow that I'm given. Um, we'd love the pain to go away and be taken and thrown into the abyss away from her, but that has not yet happened. Um, and when a marriage has any kind of conflict, couples have a decision to turn away or turn toward each other. And if there's any, you know, positive thing about this pain that Holly has carried so long, is that we have chosen to turn toward each other and, mm -hmm. and face it together and hold it together and grieve it together and cry about it together. Um, you know, I will not turn away or unchoose her. Um, and so whether it's this issue or another issue, uh, you know, with Christ as the center, when you turn together toward each other and he's in the middle, you find your help there. Um, doesn't make it necessarily easier as far as what she's feeling but it gives a layer of commitment um, and loyalty, you know, because like you said, people are, have been abandoned and left. Say, I didn't sign up for this, so I'm, I'm out, you know? Yeah. Um, but in fact, we did sign up for it um, right. for either sickness or health. And so it can be for some, a test of devotion and faithfulness to that, that marriage vow. Um, Cause when you're standing on a stage in your, in your early twenties, you know, you think, yeah, we got the rest of our lives together to grow and be healthy, you know, and um, and we've had to, you know, consider, you know, housing floor plans that would allow for a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, these we're not there yet, but we know that, okay, this may be in the future, you know, at a certain point. So anyway, wow. turning toward each other with Christ in the middle is, is where you find the help and at least the ability to uh, come together and walk the path in solidarity and the love you share. Yeah. Uh, and we may have already spoken to this next question. And so, uh, but if you want to add anything, I want to give opportunity because we've talked, I think naturally on and off throughout this conversation about how it's impacted our relationship with God uh, individually and as a couple. So there's two kind of two different ways to, you know, to think about that question. And, uh, you know, before I kind of hand that back over to you, Jeremy H., I, you know, I was just want to say that uh, based on what you said earlier about sometimes the struggle is real. I mean, it's and it's raw, you know, and you're in the midst of it. And it's not like we're sitting here talking from a standpoint of resolution. You know, that we, you know, we've we've, we've yeah. we're all OK with this, you know, spiritually now and everything. And I think that's going to be make it more relatable, honestly, to those that are listening, because. And that's, 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 people are all over, all over the place on this, you know? And so, um, but let me just, let me just let you open up on it for a minute and speak about how this has impacted your walk with God in any way, either as you reflect on it individually or as a couple. Mm, yeah. Great question, David. Thank you. Yeah. Certainly it's been a matter of, uh, of faith and doubt and, you know, why her, um, as a father of three kids, if one of my kids were hurting and I could fix that, with a thought or an action, why would I not do that? If one of my children has something that I could alleviate 
um, I would I would rush. I would do everything I could to to rectify that situation. And so it, it the frustration of how long, O oh Lord, will we pound upon your door? And why would you not want to take this pain away from your daughter? Why would you not want to alleviate this this burden she carries? You know, minute by minute, day by day. Um, and so that can lead to frustration, anger, despair um, on the part of, you know, uh, praying the same prayer over and over, you know, having the same request, you know, and I know Luke 18 and the widow who continued to go to the king. And I, I prayed through that parable with, with Holly mm-hmm. who done that. Um, and so it is a challenge. Um as you know, kind of watching and being the companion to this suffering uh, that I know God has the power to heal, right? We know he can still do these things. Sure. Uh, so just the wondering, you know, why not Lord? Um, and that, that's a real point of tension um, uh, for me as I relate to, to, to God and praying for her. And, and as I said, we, you kind of eventually reach a point of, well, I guess you're not doing this for us. I guess we're just going to live with this. That, what the plan is, I guess this is where we are because we've, how long, you know, is this a test of our faithfulness in prayer? Do we keep praying for you know two more decades about this? And maybe when she's in her sixties, she'll be pain free. I, I don't know. Maybe that's in the, in the mm. cards, but that's just, that's, that's a lot to carry um, yeah. for her and for us together. So. During that, anything you'd want to add, Jeremy W. Yeah. Similar. Um, yeah. I feel like it's, it's driven our practice and our theology to their to their natural ends in a sense of um, you know with this starting at the end of 2019 the first kind of COVID lockdown period and then you know all the, the uncertainty as that started unfolding at the first part of um, that year I can remember days where she's just in bed mm. can't get up can't move. Um, and I would consistently say, babe, this isn't normal, right? This is not, this is not how this is going to be forever. We need to know that everything around us is really abnormal right now. And in that moment, we would, we'd cling to resurrection hope, right? We have new creation hope. All things are going to be made new. This is not my forever. And yet we're facing it with the hope of like, okay, but, but Lord, in light of that, would you make me, (laughs) Would you would you bring that hope to today, like right now? Right. <laughs> like I yeah. I know that in the end things are going to be great, but also I'm 36, and I would really you know like to to live in that hope as we wait for that day. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know people will do kind of a word of the year thing. We've had we've had words of survival, right? Hope and rejoicing. So we know that we have this confident expectation of joy. And we know that that hope is fixed. We know that it's immovable. We know that it's ours in adoption in Jesus Christ. And yet we really need that hope to invade mm. right mm. now. right? And so for that reason, we're rejoicing. And I, man, I, I think one good evidence of God's grace in the midst of this is it's, it's robbed us of false senses of security and caused us to be really grateful um, for... All of the things we do have, not just spiritual realities, but children, home, like it, it's, it's, it's increased our gratitude for things as we realize, hey, I don't, I don't deserve this. I didn't earn this. I am given all of this by grace. And so, and that's a, that's a 
that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, right? That rejoicing. And so we've tried to drill down into those two things. Give me confident hope, and as you do, cause me to to live in joy, right? Even in the midst of right now. And God's been kind to, to do that. As I, I listen to both you guys talk, okay. one thought that occurs to me is that it may be in some ways. I, I mean, I understand the one that's going through it, the one that's doing the most suffering, certainly physically, you know, uh, but it's harder. Uh, well, I, I, got, I can relate to this this way, okay? My son now has a chronic illness. Uh, Jeremy knows him, Micah, you know, he's 16. We're managing pretty well. Last year was tough. This year has been better. Um, but I can tell you that it was more difficult for me to see him go through that than it was for me to try and push through what I was going through at any time during the last 11, 12 years that I've been dealing with this, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's because you, you want to, you guys have all alluded to it, you know, you want to take it from them, you want to at least be able to share it with them somehow. And so, you know, so such a chronic illness is one of the most humbling experiences that, you know, anybody could go through and vote for everybody. Yeah, there, there was one night, David, um, I laid hands on Holly and asked God to transfer her pain to me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to take it. I want to take some, all of it, like give this to me because mm-hmm. you just you want to rescue and help so bad. And when you've done everything that you can do and seeing all the doctors and you're back where you started, maybe even worse, you just, I mean, you, you want to to help because you love this person and you're watching them live this this life that can't get above second third gear um and that that prayer was not answered i i didn't get that pain obviously but i would take it in a heartbeat you know if it meant she didn't have it i think any you know i'm sure jeremy w the same thing any any loving spouse would want to share that burden if not take it on completely to say you know what let's carry this together but i can't carry the physical pain you know but i can carry you and help carry our family in the ways i can um and I'm not some hero. I'm just some guy. Like I feel very, very blessed to be Holly's husband. I feel very fortunate that she said yes to me, and that we still get to live these 20 plus years together. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is the hardest thing about our lives is her pain. Yeah, I, I, I this is on a lighter note, but I, I did catch the. Uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but you made a. Uh, Subtle Lord of the Rings uh, reference. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about. I can't. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. But, sure. Uh, it's yeah, just come out subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can't can't miss an opportunity to to point that out. So, but that shows got to be right. It's got to be right if that's the case. Then, yeah, absolutely. Well. This is a question that once I kind of wrote out ahead of time, I really was interested in what you guys would say about this. So if you were advising a couple who just uh, just had received a diagnosis, and let me even rephrase that since we just learned earlier, uh, Jeremy, Debbie, you don't, you guys only have a diagnosis. So let's just say you're advising a couple that has gone through something similar that you've been through, you know, you're several years ahead of them, in other words, and they're just finding out they're having to deal with this and there may not be a a quick resolution. Is there any advice that you would offer them that you wish you would have known? Uh, and we'll start with Jeremy W. Yeah, yeah um, I can remember summer of 2021. So that's a year and a half in. 
Um, I, I think I gained a reputation at the YMCA as the weeping pastor. Um, I would take my boys up and let them swim. And I would sit poolside and read uh, Esther Smith and K.J. Ramsey oh, yeah. and David Pallison. And I would go, oh, man, they, they've they been where we're at. And, and we were a year and a half in and hadn't made that connection with real people in our life yet. And so finding the tribe, finding the resources, finding Broken and Mended, finding Christian Trauma Counseling Network, finding... Hmm. Um, some of those uh, support groups and things like that that are out there were just, it, it, it was tremendous for us. Um, I, you know, friends locally that we connected with and um, just sitting down, we, you know, we, we've again got a great network. We've got other pastors in the area that, that love us, but if you haven't, you know, if you haven't had a taste of it, right, you don't, it's hard to, it's hard to understand. Right. And sure. so, um, yeah, looking for support among the the empathetic, right? The folks who have have been there, finding um, that. So while you're, while we needed early on to be more patient with the people in our circle who who didn't understand and who didn't get it. Um, I feel like for the first year and a half, we were in the dark that mm. there was a community out there, right? Yeah. So looking for that community online, locally, and trying to plug into it. And Jeremy H, we know that you you've got an appointment uh, to get to, but uh, let me let you have last word on that. And, and Jeremy W and I will uh, land the plane after when you have to depart. But uh, yeah, well, I yeah. love that bit about community. That's so key to have people with whom to share the journey, solidarity, unity, understanding, etc. Um, I had a couple things um, to that to find something to be grateful for in each day to cultivate that that gratitude can can help that joy stay afloat mm-hmm. i think as joy can get drowned and get submerged and hope can get kind of uh, bowled over by the tidal wave of pain um so finding little things to hold on to each day to give thanks for and then as far as the advice along with that um for the one who has the the illness or the pain the diagnosis find things that energize their spirit every day find ways or activities or places or music or sights or sounds or something that gives their soul some energy because they are, they're dog paddling inside. I mean, the, the physical struggle is one thing, but with, within that is the mental, emotional, spiritual battle they're facing as well. Well, Jeremy, uh, that, uh, leaves us kind of, you know, bring us to a close and we're, we're, we're kind of coming to that point. I, uh, appreciate you being able to stay just a, a few extra minutes here. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask, um, it, you kind of hit on this a little bit in the way you answered that question, but what you wish existed or was more widely available uh, to support not only those with chronic illness, but also loved ones with chronic illness. Is, is there anything in your journey that you, I mean, you've been able to find some community. That's good. I remember early on when I was going through, I wasn't able to for a while, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why I created Broken Amended because um, he didn't feel like there was a whole lot out, out there that was actually doing support groups. You know, I mean, there was some written materials and that kind of stuff, but, um, what does some wish existed or you discovered earlier on or something like, you know, something like that? Yeah. That's kind of the challenge too, is, is the easy answer is support and support groups and mm-hmm. folks who are, 
minded to kind of walk alongside. The challenge of that is, um, man, I think about someone like Jeremy and, and getting to know his story and hearing that, man, I've been so encouraged in the last few minutes and mm. like, oh man, I want to regularly keep up. Okay, great. Yeah. I've got zero margin in my life. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the caretakers that we want to put in those positions to, you know, lead support groups and care for folks are relatively maximized, right, in, in their mm-hmm. capabilities. So somebody smarter than me needs to come up with a good strategy for for putting that out there. And the flip side of that, too, is is with uh, not just inability for folks to be able to get out or meet, but kind of like Broken and Mended does, like here's an online option, here's a Zoom, here's a... Here's a time when it might be convenient. Here's a morning or a evening and, you know, finding a flexible option for people that uh, some of whom can work, some can't, right? And some have kids in school. Our, our most free time is eight to three every day where we can kind of get the most done because three of our four are in school. Hmm. And that's usually when other people are less available, right? Right. And so just the unique dynamic of this kind of situation of life says, man, we, we all need a support network but it's difficult to be involved in one because we're all very busy just making these ends meet. Yeah, that is a, and that's a challenge that I wasn't fully prepared for when I got into trying to find people to lead broken and mended support groups because obviously I wanted people that could empathize, uh, you know, because they, they had experience with it and knew the need for that kind of community, but finding people that had enough energy and health uh, to be yep. able to carry that forward as, you know, has been a challenge. Uh, also the, the timing, uh, you talked about where, you know, I've, uh, we did something too late. We would lose a lot of people that, you know, would be, they hurt a lot more at night, you know, mm-hmm. because it's too early. Well, then you, you lose your crowd that still, still is going to work or school and that kind of stuff. Um, we are slowly working around to solutions to that. Like tonight, we're starting a new, uh, support group. Uh, it's actually, kind of in mind for some people out on the west coast uh we we, we actually have someone in it from tennessee but uh, we're starting at 6 30 pacific time uh in order because they said hey you guys are meeting much too early for us we're still at work and so we started a group just for those guys in mind and trying to build around that so as we kind of figure out what those particulars are i think we're trying to build around that uh you know as we, as we learn but i'm in the same boat with the resources and and kind of margin and you know, how do I, you know, how, you know, just kind of thinking out loud about this now, but, how, you know, how do I kind of uh, get some help doing, you know, doing that, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, that's things we're wrestling with. Can we raise enough money to, to hire some help and that kind of stuff? But uh, I get ahead of myself a little bit. My, my point is that's a challenge for all of us that where's the margin to invest in what's important and to invest in what we really want to do and see happen. Um, so hopefully over time, God will give us wisdom in that as we continue to you know, grow and learn. And uh, I think particularly about the broken and mended ministry, but it can apply in any sort of ministry that's trying to reach out and connect and support people uh, that are going through this. I think I know for me, I appreciate anyone uh, that's trying to reach out and do something positive for that community. You mentioned Esther Smith. Uh, most people in this ministry are very familiar with her and some of the books that she's done and ministry she has. Uh, I was wondering, you mentioned a couple other authors too, which I wasn't as familiar with. Do you, do you remember what you, what you said yeah, earlier? Yeah, uh, K.J. Ramsey. And um, okay. the name of the book is escaping me now. Oh, mercy. Um, it was in that, uh, yeah, 
in that season, and I'm not going to remember it, so I shouldn't try anymore. But um, the other one was, I'm probably botching the name on this, I believe it's Christian Trauma Counseling, which I think is maybe that Esther Smith's a part of, but Mm -hmm. they're, they're hosting an online support group on Fridays. And, um, Kate Brooks has been leading that, uh, she and her wife, Nate, Nate is, um, soon to be, I think this is public counseling professor at uh, Southeastern seminary as they transition from reformed. And, um, there's just been a tremendous community for Alicia, I think for the last six or seven months, she's been a part of that. And, same kind of thing. So they're meeting on a Friday at one o'clock, right? And so yeah. Whoever can make it can make it. Um, right. But I think that's somewhere between eight and 10 folks who have jumped into that and just been able to form some um, good friendships. So yeah, finding that was, uh, was, was really helpful. There's a, there's a ton of other resources out there that have been really helpful that of course I'll, I'll blank on right now, but yeah, Esther's well, was the first one we found. Yeah. Yeah. I know she's been, tremendously helpful uh, to me and I know to a ton of other people who uh, have this struggle. Of course, she, she herself has uh, the struggle of chronic illness. And so uh, thankfully she is able to continue and do the things that she does uh, despite that, you know, and, and be a blessing to people. So, well, Jeremy, uh, we're coming up on uh, you know, about 50 minutes and I, I need to bring it to a close here pretty soon, but is there anything else you'd want to add that we didn't cover? No, you you nailed it. I was I was setting you up with that last one for the softball on that new new group that you started for the, the <laughs> earlier time. That's so right. you hit it out of the park. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, well yep. I appreciate you uh, appreciate you being with us, and uh, my thanks to both of you. Uh, I'm assuming maybe Jeremy H will uh, listen to this playback at some point, with, maybe with Holly and others. And so great for both uh, both of you being with me, and I think this will be a blessing to others as they listen to it. Uh, and I thank all the, our listeners on In the Seams, and I uh, hope that this has been a, a blessing to you, and I uh, look forward to being back with you the next time. And so I'll give a shout out to John Shields, who is the editor of this episode, and we appreciate the work he's doing as well.